Hello and welcome to livealittlehigher.com. This week we learned Parasha Re'eh and Re'eh means to see as the opening verse of the Parasha that says, look, I'm putting before you today blessing and curses. And this is a, a, a verse of the Torah that has been scrutinized. What does it mean blessing and curses? Does it mean that there's good and there's evil in the world? Do we have Behira? Do we have free choice? Can we choose? There's, these are existential questions that everybody has in their lives and uh, we see that all phenomena and all human activities seem subjected to categorize these two most basic uh, define, definers of reality. So a development is either positive or negative and this is the way that we per perceive life. It's good, it's bad. This, what happened to me is, is good or it's not good. And, uh, it, and this, is, um, this is a way in which people are accustomed to view life. And in uh, here, in this parasha, we come to understand that Hashem created a system in the world. He created a Torah, which is a blueprint of creation, in which it delineates to us what is good and what is evil. If, if a person learns Torah, he's going to learn throughout his life what is expected of him and what's not expected of him. People who don't learn Torah really don't have a concept of what's right and what's wrong. A Jew, for example, can be eating non-kosher food his whole life. He must feel that he's never done anything wrong. Uh, he feels he's a good person, that that's what's important. But in reality, in Hashem's world, in Hashem's eyes, a Jew that does not eat kosher, he's doing something evil. It doesn't mean that he is evil, the Jew is not evil, but his action is not a right action, and this action brings consequences. So this Torah portion brings many, many answers to many, many questions, and um, in reality puts life in, a, in the right context, uh, it teaches us that life is not free and that every action we take comes with a result. There is cause and there is consequence. And this is what this parasha is telling us here, that if you don't heed my commandments, it says here, and the curses will come if you do not heed the commandments of the eternal, your God, and stray from the path that I'm commanding you today by following the gods of others that you did not know, it shall be that this and this and this and this and this will happen to you. So we see here that if we do Hashem's will, if we live a life of, 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 of righteousness, of living Hashem's will, there's also reward. Uh, it's not so specific with the rewards that we were going to get, but more or less it explains that the rain is going to fall at its proper time and there's going to be abundance in the world and people are not going to get sick and they're going to be healthy and there's not going to be any plagues and all these things that will come if people are doing what Hashem wants them to do. So from here, there's two very important things that come to mind. One is that there is a system that Hashem created a world in which there is right and there is wrong and that each, each part of whatever you decide in your life is a package deal. It comes with something. It's not free. And then it comes to ask about the question of Behira, of free choice, that man has been granted the ab absolute autonomy to choose between good and evil. It's funny because there's a, a lot of, uh, of, of today of questions about 
nurture versus nature and what defines a person and sometimes their genetic makeup makes them be a certain way or the way they were brought up uh, makes them be, be the way they are and they are giving like carte, carte blanche uh, carte blanche as they say in French uh, to be to they give them the, 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 the they allow them to be able to go and steal because they're hungry they can steal because they're hungry they can go and loot a, a supermarket or a store and because of this they can do this and here the Torah is telling us no way no way I'm sorry this is not right this is a choice you make but it doesn't make it the right choice like a person can be born poor but it doesn't make it right that he's gonna go and steal the person has a choice and he has a choice to go and work hard and 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 and, and, and do whatever he needs to do to earn the money but in a righteous and, and, ho and holy way so we see here that we are given free autonomy absolute autonomy to choose between right and good between good and evil and this lies at the heart of the Torah's most basic premise that that human life is purposeful and that our deeds are not predetermined by our nature or any universal law but are the product of our independent uh, volition making us true partners with God in creation whose choices and actions affect the continuing continuing development of the world as envisioned by its creator so there is cause there is consequence uh, yes there's people who have it easier there's people who have it harder but nevertheless each one of us comes with uh, with certain qualities and certain things that are not so good and we have to work through them and Hashem gives us a Torah where he teaches us what is permitted and what is not permitted so philosophers and theologians of all ages has have asked from where does this dichotomy come from and does does evil come from Hashem that is another big big question is is the bad in the world come from God and uh, and if God is exclusive source of all because we do believe that Hashem is everything that nothing comes from a, a, a separate entity everything comes from God and is the essence of good can there be evil in his work and if he is the ultimate unity and singularity can there exist such a duality with his, within his potential so in the words of the prophet Jeremiah he says from the supernal one's words there cannot emerge both evil and good from Hashem only goodness comes and yet the Torah unequivocally states see I'm giving you today the blessing and the curse so it's a little confusing Jeremiah is telling us that both evil and good cannot emerge from Hashem and, and then the Torah comes and tells us that he's giving us the blessing and the curse so in and no other am I am, am the exclusive source and grantor of, of one approach to understanding the Torah conception of blessing and, cur and curse is to see how this verse is rendered by, by the great translators of the Torah so we see here that many of the Jewish works were written in Aramaic which was a widely spoken language um, of the Jewish people for 15 centuries Jewish people used to speak in this language and it was the second language of the Torah and it is the language of the Talmud 
and even of some other translations and biblical chapters and there are also a number of important uh, works of the Torah that are written and compiled in Aramaic and we see from here that at the end of the first century of the common era there was a commentator called Onkelos Onkelos was a Roman convert to the Jewish religion in the times of the second temple's destruction and he was none other than the nephew of the Emperor Titus and um, he compiled a half a century earlier than the first uh, translator who was Rabbi Jonathan Benusiel who translated also uh, the Torah to the Talmud to, uh, to Hebrew so people could understand it and he also did this translation so in Onkel's translation the Hebrew word for kelala, which is used here in the in the in the in the Torah, eh, ukelala, the curses is the word that is used for curses. Eh, is uh, he uses the word curse, eh, but in Rabbi Yonatan eh, translation, the verse appears thus: "See, I give you today the blessing and its transmutation." He doesn't use the word kelala; he uses a different word, which is chilufa which means transmutation and he's not he's not trying to avoid the word curse because he himself uses this term uh, in the future in other translations he does use the word curse but in this specific moment he uses this word of transmutation so let's try to understand what a curse really means and um, and, and what is the, the mean of transmutation? So in the words of our sages, no evil descends from heaven. There's no bad that can come from, from God, from, from heaven. And there's only two types of good. There is an open and revealed good. It's obvious, it's good. You had a baby, he's healthy. It was an easy delivery. This is good. For you, this is good. And then there's also another type of good, which is not so revealed it's really concealed and um, and this is when we say you know uh, all is for the good so everything depends on your on your way of thinking and as Nahum Ish uh, Gamzu used to say Gamzu Letova this was his his mentality his was his positive outlook in the world was that everything that happened was for the good and the Rebbe always said um, think good and it will be good so uh, even the most horrendous suffering in the world can be seen with a good eye it can be experienced as something that is good not something that is a curse and so Ankelos is the more literal of the two translations its purpose is to provide the student with the most rudimentary meaning of the verse the verse in the Hebrew says the blessing and the curse and Onkelos renders as such in Aramaic and anyone searching for the deeper significance of the negative in the word must refer to those Torah texts which address such, uh, such issues so for him it's a curse it's the bad that comes it's a curse to, to you so on the other hand the translation of Rabbi Yonatan Ben Uziel provides a more esoteric interpretation of the Torah and he incorporate, incorporates many uh, Midrashic and Talmudic insights. So instead of sim simply calling the curse a curse, it alludes to the true significance of what we experience as evil in our lives. 
So in essence, Rabbi Yonatan uh, Benusiel is telling us what God gives is good, but God has granted us the ability to experience both the blessing and the transmutation. So it's up to our own um, way of looking at life that the, the, the curse will be a curse or it's going to be something that's going to bring something good out of your life. And uh, in reality, uh, Hashem, uh, according to the Alter Rebbe and the Tanya, he has to create this dichotomy. He has to create a world in which he creates goodness and in which he creates things that are perceived as not good, that they have the capacity to become good. Uh, there's things that he creates from his face. This is what is go godly, holy, kadosh. Uh, something that is holy, something that is transparent to the Creator, like a Sefer Torah, kosher food, um, the, the mezuzah, the tefillim. Uh, these things are transparent. They are what they are. They're holy. But then he has to create another set of things that come from the back, from his back. And they're called klipanoga. They come from the back of God. And this is something that he has to create, not because he wants to create it, but he has to create it in order to be able to give us free choice. So these things that he creates that come from the other side, from the back, uh, that are called klipanoga. Klipa is a husk, it's a shell. And, um, and it's like a fruit that you have to peel it to be able to eat it. You have to peel the, 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 the banana in order to be able to bring out the fruit. So there's things in the world that he creates that are parv. Let's say they're not good and they're not evil. They, they, they can go either way. And this is the permissible things in life. This is the permissible materialistic world which is permitted to us. Clothes, money, food, eh, vacations, a, a boat, a car, a house. All these things are permitted to us but it depends on how we use them that we extract the good or we make them evil. They have both. They have half and half. They are half good and half evil. So either way you use them, they can become very elevated. You can extract that godliness, the, the goodness in it, and it's going to be elevated. Or you're going to take it to the other side, the side of, of not good energy. So it's up to us. So we see from here that Hashem has to create this system to give us free will. If not, we would always be, we would be like angels. We would have no free will whatsoever. We would be only doing the goodness that we would have no need for clothes. We would have no need for food. We would have no need for nothing. But he creates a material world in which we human beings that are imbued with a holy soul come into the world to extricate the godly sparks into everything that is permitted to us and, and elevate it and take it to the side of good. But if you don't take it to the side of good, then you're taking it to the not good side. So for example, money. Money is, a, is an excellent example of this. Money can be a, a, a source of a lot of joy or it can be a source of a lot of pain. Uh, you see families, they, they kill each other for the money of the family, or you see families that work together and the money they make, they use it for good, good uh, purposes. They donate to the synagogue, they feed hungry people, they create schools, they, they, they use it for goodness. 
So it's up to us if we make our life a blessing or a curse. In, in reality, we are the ones that make it good or bad. It's not that, it's that Hashem creates evil things. We ourselves make them evil. So when a person uses money for the wrong reasons, he uses for, for other things that are not good, then that's when the curse comes to you. But it's not that Hashem is cursing you. It's not that you're, you're, you're a cursed person. It's that the way you choose to, to use and live your life creates the consequence of your actions. So the... the Rabbi Yonatan, again, going back to Rabbi Yonatan, Benusiel translates Kelala as transmutation in the above-cited verse and in the later verse, yet in verse 29 he renders it literally as a curse. So what he's saying is that you have a choice. You can take whatever you think it's not good, money, power, clothing, your house, all these things, your speech, your thoughts, your actions, all these things, you can transmutate them to goodness. And that's your free will. That's what your, your job, that's what you do. And that's, God does not give curses, only the option and capability to transmutate it to blessings. It's up to us to elevate the world, to elevate the material world, to make it a holy place for Hashem, to use it for goodness. So on the other hand, the third verse, and it shall come to pass when the Lord your God has brought you into the land, you shall declare the blessing on Mount Gerizim and the curse on Mount Eval. And here it speaks of our articulation of the two pathways of life, where the concealed good can be received and perceived as actually a curse. So sometimes people can receive goodness, but at the same time it becomes not good. I remember a story many years ago of um, Rabbi, Rabbi Reichman, I think his name was from Canada, and he died. He left a will for his sons uh, to be opened right before he was going to be buried. And he was a very, very rich man. And uh, in the will he left saying that before, to please bury him with his favorite socks. And uh, the sons were religious men. They were like, what is my father asking us to do? This doesn't make any sense to us. How, why would he want to be buried with his socks if he knows that he cannot take anything with him? So they went to the rabbis. He had been a very big balsedaka. He had given a lot of charity in his life. He was a very righteous human being. And so they went to all the rabbis to get a... Um, permission, a heter, to bury their father. This is his last wish with the socks. And they went to every rabbi and they said to them, I'm sorry, we cannot give you a heter. But Jewish people are buried naked. The way they came to the world, this is the way they go. There, there's no way in the world he can take his socks. And now he's in the world of truth and he's going to understand that he couldn't take his socks. So he was buried without his socks. And after the Shiva was over, the eight days of mourning were over, the, 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 the lawyer came back with a second will that had to be opened and, um, and he opened the will and he said, the will said, now that you know that I could not even take my favorite pair of socks with me to the next world, now you know that all these billions of dollars I'm leaving to you, you're not going to be able to take with you to the next world. It doesn't matter what you do, they're not going with you. So make good use of this money and don't, don't throw it away. So this is basically 
the idea of the blessing and the curse and Galut, we are in Galut, we are in a, in, a, in a very sad state right now for the last almost 2,000 years since the destructions of the, of the second temple, the Jewish people are wandering in the world and we're in a, in, a, in a hard place and Galut is a state of physical and spiritual displacement in which we have found ourselves since the destruction of the holy temples and our exile from our land nearly 2,000 years ago. So it's a primary cause of distortion of God's blessings in its transmutation. So we, we, we are blinded in this world. We have like a veil that doesn't allow us to see Hashem in everything. And we can get distorted very easily. We can slide to the other side. It's so easy. It's so hard to be attached to Hashem and attached to the truth in this state in which we live. And he says here again, this is the teachings of the Rebbe. It says, Galut, on the other hand, is a state of being which veils and distorts our soul inner vision. It doesn't allow us to see uh, the truth. And Galut is an, environment, is, is an environment in which the concealed good that is granted us is all too readily transmuted into negativity and evil. So the translation by Rabbi Yonatan ben Uziel, also called the Jerusalem translation, was compiled in the Holy Land in the generation before the Temple's destruction. And this is important to note because uh, Onkelos was, was talking to a different group of people. And the very fact that the authorship was necessary, that for many Jews the language of the Torah was no longer their primordial language, that's why he needed to translate it so people could keep learning Torah. If not, they would not have been able to have access to the Torah. And, uh, and this tells us a lot of the encroaching Galut. And the concealed good was already being experienced as something other than, than an expression of God's loving relationship with us. So, you know, we are not so, so aware of everything now. Hashem's presence is completely concealed now for us. We have to reveal him through the Torah and the mitzvot. This is the way that we bring God into the world and the way we, we brighten our surroundings. But we have to understand that the descending veil of Galut was translucent still uh, in the times of Rabbi Yonatan's uh, Ben Uziel's translation. There was, it, there was translucent, it was translucent. You could still see a little bit and experience a little bit of God. But when Onkelos compiled um, this translation a generation later, uh, the, the, the veil was not translucent anymore. It was completely opaque. And so the, the good was completely concealed. So it is precisely such a world, and this is the, what's important to understand, that we should not feel bad for ourselves, we should not pity ourselves, we, don't, we should not feel that we're doomed, on the contrary, this, this galut, this moment that we're living in our lives right now is really the, the moment of our lives that gives us the ultimate freedom of choice. Because when Hashem is so revealed that you can experience godliness as the times of the temple, then to, free, to have free choice is very hard. It's not so easy to have free choice. 
when you see Hashem everywhere in everything you do you're, you're, you're like okay I cannot do this I cannot do that I have to do this but at this moment that he's concealed this is when we have the ultimate freedom of choice which in turn lends true import and significance to the deeds of man it is precisely such a world that possesses a greater and more rewarding challenge to reveal the underlying goodness unity and perfections of, of God's creation so we are living in the time of opportunity this is what I call this this moment Talut is a moment of opportunity and we should really take it into into our hearts and not throw it away it take every moment of your life and every second of your life to reveal Hashem and to bring the godly sparks out that's our purpose this is why we're here we're here to reveal Hashem in the world to make things that could go to the wrong side make them go to the right side and this is our our partnership with Hashem at this moment so I want to wish you a blessed week that Hashem should bless us to be able to see to see the truth to see with clear vision uh, our pathway and to always have the strength and that he should aid us always to be able to choose the blessings in life in our lives so remember, live a little higher. Thank you.